Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestling with a Bear. I am John Punz, the host of all hosts. I'm sitting here with my best friend Chris Rex and Alex the Bear Man. And what an episode we have for you guys today. We're going to switch things up and we decided that we're going to start bringing on special guests among the pro wrestling industry each and every week to you guys. But I decided that we should start with the life and story of Chris Rex. Since he is right here with us, who better to start with? So for the next two weeks, we are going to hear everything from young Chris to current Chris. What got him into the business? What keeps him into the business today? How about it, Alex? What do you think about this? I say thank you so much because this is a blessing. I've known Chris for almost two years now. I think it's time that I learn everything there is to know about Chris Rex. So thank you, gentlemen, for this tremendous opportunity. And Chris, honestly, I've been wanting the opportunity to know, to know all the best things about you because much like me, you two have started at the bottom and what you love to do, you've worked your ass to get to the top. We're still going at it and working our butts off. And it will pay off one day, I promise you. Yes, it, it will. So, so Chris, I, I do want to take you back to your childhood. I want to take it back. What was it? What, what was it first that got you watching wrestling on television? How old were you? Where were you? Um, I really can't tell you the exact, like, moment or age I was when I first watched wrestling because um, growing up, I would always hear about my mom. Now, my mom had passed away uh, before I was two years old. She had a brain aneurysm and she passed away. And But growing up, um, even though I didn't know her, the one thing everyone that I met that knew her always told me she loved wrestling. She was a huge Macho Man Randy Savage fan. When Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth when uh got married at SummerSlam, she was there. You know, she would go to indie events, which back then were called outlaw events. She would go to the to little fucking high school gyms and shit. And I don't know, I guess maybe it was inherited in me because for as long as I can like remember, like as far back as I can remember, I've always been a fan of pro wrestling. Like always. Um and yeah, I think it's just, you know, I guess that connection with my mom that it's a spiritual thing um, that it's like, okay, I, I can't be here physically with you in your life, but know that we share this bond. Yes, yes. And I do know that since I've been best friends with you for a long time, that is something I know, you know, definitely personal about you is your mom is definitely the catalyst in you enjoying pro wrestling as a child and then dreaming of becoming a pro wrestler as an adult. I definitely know that. And I, I'm glad she had that impact on you because you are one incredible wrestler, which we will get into. All right, Alex, what would you like to hear about Chris? Well, Chris, when you first started becoming a pro wrestling fan, it was during a time where there was something known as the Monday Night Wars, when there was a legitimate competition in ratings between two separate pro wrestling companies, one of them being the World Wrestling Federation, who, as you know now, is the World Wrestling Entertainment against World Championship Wrestling. Now, during that time, did you switch simultaneously to both, or did you have one side? And if you had one side, which one was it and why? Um, I See, I kind of started 
Like, I remember watching wrestling be- right before the Monday Night Wars hit, around 94, when Razor Ramon was still in w- uh, WWF, Get Diesel was still in WWF. Uh, you know, so I remember slightly before Monday Night Wars, but I clearly remember the Monday Night Wars. And I definitely was a channel flipper, but I was a diehard uh, WWF fan. Like, I preferred watching WWF at the time over Nitro, especially when Nitro first started. Like, I really wasn't interested in it. Um, I really didn't become interested in Nitro until I started seeing, really, the Cruiserweights in, like, late 95, 96. Um, I was definitely a channel flipper. I was definitely a fucking channel flipper. At that age, between four and six years old, who who was the first wrestler that caught your eye as a child? What was a match of theirs that, that you saw and that's it, you was instantly hooked to, to pro wrestling. I'm going to be honest with you, it wasn't a match at all. Um, it was Shawn Michaels' really? entrance. That hooked oh, me. wow. Oh, wow. I can't tell you the first match, but I can tell you the first time I remember watching wrestling was popping in a VHS tape and seeing Coco Beware and Owen Hart make their entrance. And the first time I actually watched it around the time, like 94, 95, it was Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, the heartthrob, making his entrance, and the fans going wild, the pyro when he did his pose. I mean, and at that time, he was so, with Sherry, right? In. What? He was with Sherry at that time. So he was um, watching yeah. the beginning of this character. It's exactly. It, it was yes, around yes, that and time. I remember that entrance, too. That, that was the beginning of his pyro, and, and Sherry would be out with him. That, that, that is beautiful. I think it was just the whole, I guess, what I know now as production that really sucked me in. Yeah, 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 and that's good. That's good. You know, Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler pretty much of all time. So, you know, I, I like hearing that. Yeah, and like with, and now what I think about that, now that you brought up that question, um, it kind of makes sense that I got into the production side. Now, and you know, I've always been into how it looks, how it looks, how it looks. You could take two people. How is it going to look? How's the camera angle going to look? How's the graphics going to look? And I guess that kind of like, it makes sense now that I, I'm into all these things within the pro wrestling, professional wrestling business. Yeah. I, I'm it does, sure. Especially how it started for you, because how you say it's the, it's about the entrance, but Chris, I got to ask you something. Did the Attitude Era, did that, did it have a significant impact on you, especially when, when you were a kid? Oh, yeah, 100%, because I remember, like, before the Attitude Era became the Attitude Era, we're talking 96, 97, um, I, I was the lame kid who watched wrestling, you know? Um, I, was, I was always kind of a loner, um, didn't really have much friends, but my friends were my video games and my TV, which was wrestling, you know, uh, and right when the attitude ever started hitting and we had Stone Cold and we had Degeneration X and uh, WWF was becoming more of PG-13, uh, that's when everyone started started liking wrestling. And then all of a sudden, it just felt like one day, one week, there was nobody talking about it. And then the <laughs> next week, I'm in school and it's all everything is, everybody is talking about, you know? And it, it felt good to be part of the cool kids now like okay now it's cool yeah, to be a wrestling it, fan it was like what one week one week you had no no friends and the next week everybody wants to talk to you yeah you know it's it, it definitely had an impact on me personally um and as as a fan i literally seen the change before my eyes of the gimmicks and overly gimmicky wrestling to more of an adult uh realism 
to it. You know, I, I literally seen that change and wrestling became like that box office draw again, like it was in the eighties. Yes, yeah. When when I grew up watching it. Wrestling. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, wrestling. So so Chris, all right. So we know now you, you grew up watching wrestling from a very young age. Now when was the moment that you, you decided you wanna find people that do this? You you wanna do this with people anywhere that you can do this. when when was that moment? Was there a match or was there a time that you said I wanna wrestle? And, and I, I want to find other people that want to wrestle also. I always knew I wanted, like, my dream has always been to be a professional wrestler. I remember being in elementary school and teachers asking, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a doctor, a cop, or this? And I, none of those had ever interested me. Um, going to college never interested me. Um, it was just, it was just this thing. Like, I knew, like, this is what I want to do, and that's where I was going to go. As far as wanting to find people who do this, um, I remember just being a kid and wrestling with the kid, backyard wrestling. I wouldn't even consider it, but, uh, like, backyard wrestling as a kid with just the kids in the neighborhood going around and having our own little dumpster matches and uh, literally denting in the hoods of our neighbors' cars and shit. <laughs> like, but... It wasn't, it wasn't until about, my own mother's car. <laughs> it, like, when I was in middle school, I had met a friend who had wound up backyard wrestling with me, a friend, Sean, who, that was my only friend, we always would wrestle with each other. Then, around high school, I would say 2006, um, I had been talking to Sean, and his friend, he had a friend that went to the same high school as us that was backyard wrestling legit, like, 10 minutes from my house. And we met up with him one day, and that's where I met Cold, um, a good friend of mine, Andrew. And they took me over to this backweeded area that felt like we were walking for miles through these backweeds at Garrison <laughs> Beach. And there is this custom-built ring that is made out of wood and tarps and ropes. And the ropes are lined with garden hose. And, like, it's like the shell of the garden hose. And, it, like, these people made their own ring. And... Like, that was around the time when I was like, okay, this is a step towards the direction I want to take in. So it never really was a thought of, hey, I want to do this with other people. It's kind of like the opportunity just presented itself, and I jumped on it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. All right, so now we know there was no training in backyard wrestling. So you're your first time there, and you've never done anything. What kind of... I guess warming up was there for you before you actually had a match, or did you just, or did you just have a match when you were there? Uh, of course, I didn't know any what I was doing. Not even when I got there did I know what I was doing. Um, then they told me, you know, I'm wrestling this guy. I can't even remember my first match. I, um, I think I was in the ring with Winky in combat. I might have been in the ring with Cold and El Loco's other gimmick, Angel of Darkness. Um, but. Uh, it was kind of like I was thrown in there and I literally didn't know what the fuck to do. I didn't. I didn't. I just figured I'd let these guys beat the crap out of me. Eventually, I'd really smack it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was one of those I, things. I, I, I got, I got, because, I no, like, before up. my match came up, like, I had watched other people in the ring, in the ring and I'm like, oh, man, like, these guys look like they know something. Like, 
what am I getting myself into? Like, they look like they kind of know what they're <laughs> what doing. What am I getting myself into? And, like, there were some talented guys, like Winky, who they none of them had training. It's just they they were able to pick up on, on just watching and just practicing moves with each other because they had a ring they can go to at any time. Uh, so it, it was definitely nervous. I was definitely nervous. There was a little fear there of, oh, shit, what did I get myself into? And then there's fear of these guys are fucking crazy. They're going to fucking kill me. I remember Winky giving me a front drop kick while I was in a tag match. Uh, me and Blaze, I forgot what his gimmick was at the time. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, waiting for the tag. And Winky comes and gives me a front drop kick. And they had this fire pit because they used to make a bonfire. And I almost fell into it in my first match. And I was like, oh, all right. So this, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say by the time I got there, which was a, a year later, you already seemed to, to have a grasp on what you were doing. So about how long did it take you to, to catch on to, you know, how to have a match with everybody else? Because, you know, that first match, you did not know what you was doing. But when did you get to the point where you was able to sit down with somebody and actually plan it out? Hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, like wrestling every week, every Saturday kind of helped just getting the reps in. Uh, you get your body prepared for you, get your body, you know, uh, used to what, what you're going through and what you're putting it through. I was also on a high school football team at the time. So <laughs> sometimes it was I, do I the football game, go to IBW or go to football practice, go to IBW. <laughs> so, and my parents didn't know what I was doing at the time, but uh, I, I would say just doing the reps and I can't sit there and put like my finger on exactly when I said, okay, I'm comfortable with this. Uh, I feel like I'm starting to get this, but I can tell you one match I did have that that's the kind of the match in backyard wrestling. that made me feel like, okay, I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting better. Um, and it was a match with a, a friend of mine, bloody saw, I believe it was the WrestleFest right before you joined pun. And, yes, and uh, we had a match and that was the first time, like, we sat there and we planned everything out and we and we went through the motions and like, okay, what if we tried this? What if we did this? I remember never ever doing a fucking tiger suplex before. And I remember just setting up and, it, you know, full Nelson, throw him over with a suplex. And like, I was like, am I going to get this guy over? Like, I grabbed him and pulled off. And it just happened to be that somebody was throwing a stop sign in the ring as he was coming back. So it just made the move look so much more devastating because he landed right on the fucking stop sign. You know, and once, wow. once we went through the motions in that match and I, I, I came out of that match feeling like, okay, okay, I think, I think I'm ready to actually, you know, start planning more and actually know what the fuck I'm doing here. Still, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. None of us did. But I'm starting to, to, yeah, 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 starting yeah, yeah. to get to know what the fuck I'm doing <laughs> To, to, to hang with everybody, you know. Exactly. I, I know what you mean. No, nobody was trained at all. But, you know, to, to put on a match and, and to make it look good, you knew what you was doing once you was about a year in. And, you know, that's about, you know, you said it about a month before I joined. And that's when we met. It was the summer of 07. And, you know, when I first met all of you, I was I, I was like, yo, this is, this is incredible. Everybody knows what they're doing. I'm not getting into something because... You know, at this point, I'm a little bit older than you. I was backyard wrestling since 97. So now this is 10 years into me backyard wrestling. And I finally found, a, this is like the first big group I found 
outside of my group. So I was like, oh shit, there's a whole bunch of other people that do what I do. And this is 10 years into what I'm, I've been doing. So, you know, that's well, when I met you guys. What also helped is the fact that around that time, like 2006, 2007, um, Pyro, Chaz, and Sex Monkey had just started training at FTW in Long Island. So they were going to Long Island and then coming back to IBW and teaching us what they were learning. What so they were learning. So it right. made taking right. bumps and doing moves and, and just the basic conditioning better you know because it's kind of like what i was doing when i will probably get to this on the next episode when i would had first joined the ludus and i've come back to diw and try to teach you guys what i had been learning yeah so yeah. that did make yep. it easier that we had a couple guys that were training that could even come back and be like no 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 no. see you want to land here not here you know so that definitely did help but i do have a question for you burnt oh you said you, you were yarding around 97, 98, you know, um, I was into 13, the early 2000s. I was 13 years old when I first started yarding with my friends. What what was the difference? Like, what were the differences between you yarding in 97 and you yarding in 2007? Right, so we actually sat down. There was, it started with about six to ten of us. And we wanted to mimic what we saw on our TVs. Of course, exactly. that's what we all do. So we we sat down and we said, you know, let's start, you know, a wrestling a wrestling group, and you know, give it a company name, and, and, and you know, do shows every week in the schoolyard. So we actually all sat down together and actually, you know, wrote up a show. Wrote up a show, and, and you know, we put one on every match was a one on one match, and you know, we said we're gonna try to do what we see on TV. We all started creating out gimmicks came up with ideas you know who, who we are what we're going to do what we're going to be you know come up with our move sets and and you know watching wrestling we just copied you know so like i said i i, w I was the punisher and i did everybody's finishing move on tv i did the twist of fate all right <laughs> i did the execution i did a frog slash i did the figure four leg lock so that was my character. I did everybody's finishing move. <laughs> Every big move you was watching on Raw at that time, when you came to the park, every finishing move I was doing, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that was my move. But like seeing how, again, you started in 97 and you came back around 2007. What were some of the pros and cons between 97 and 2007? Like what were the major differences? Uh, okay, you see... I did, you know, me and, the, and our guys, by 03, by 04, we pretty much stopped wrestling altogether. When I joined IBW and the friends that I came with, we were the only ones left. The four or five of us were the only ones left. So that's why there was no ETW and no DIW at that time. Because, you know, by, by that time, everybody wasn't teenagers. So, you know, we started ETW in 1997. It was extreme teenage wrestling or teen wrestling and, you know, we were 13, 14 years old. We were all young. By the time 2002, 2003 started coming around, everybody's 18, 19, 20 years old. People are having different aspirations. They don't want to be wrestling in the schoolyard no more. So, you know, there was about 10 to 15 of us left when it branded off and we changed the name to Deep Impact Wrestling. And that was about 02. That was, I was about 18 years old when we switched it. Yo, what's up, Alex? Well, 
Uh, this is a question for Chris. Now, Chris, when was the point when you basically started to envision a wrestling name and a persona for the character that you had aspirations of portraying in a wrestling ring? Um, now, you asked that question to another wrestler. They'll probably give you this whole detailed thing. I'll tell you, never. I never really thought about what my character... As much as I loved Macho Man and I loved Shawn Michaels and... I. I never thought of a character for myself, um, especially in the yarding days where I just wanted to be known for somebody that can be good in the ring. That's all I ever wanted to be known as, um, especially during that time of me yarding. I was watching uh, when we we were uh, it wasn't tape trading, but we did DVD trading. You remember that pun? We would trade off everybody's DVDs to each other. And there was a lot of Ring of Honor, a lot of pro wrestling gorilla that we would just share with each other. And I would see guys like Amazing Red, um, you know, and I remember watching Red before I was even in Backyard Wrestling. The SAT I watched before I was even a Backyard Wrestler and just getting more knowledgeable with these guys. In my day, we was trading VHSs. Yeah, you were in the tape trading. You were in the tape trading, you know, we were in the DVD trading. We were trading VHSs to study wrestling back in my day. And then bring it to the schoolyard. <laughs> watching the Ring of Honors and watching the Jersey All Pro shows, it it, it kind of said, like, do I really need to be this character, or can I just be known as being a really good wrestler, or somebody that can really, uh, you know, that can be a good seller, or somebody that can be a good job guy, or that's really what what was in my head of, um, as far as what I envisioned for myself. Um, I, of course, I always wanted a cool name. That, that everybody wants a cool name when they when they're wrestling. Oh yeah, I'm sure for you in 06, 07, you didn't even know where it was going to lead you. You didn't have no dreams. I mean, you had dreams of being a pro wrestler, but you didn't know how what it was going to take to get there, how it was going to get there. Exactly. And I, I I know the 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 characters we both portrayed in the yard are completely different. I would say we, we weren't even characters. We, it was we just pro- we gave yeah, ourselves right. a different name, and then we just went out there. Like I was reckless. Yeah, that was exactly. that was my thing. I thought it was a cool name. I think it described me pretty well, and like that was it. It was just me. Like I've never been really a social person, but you put me in the ring. You put me in in front of fans. You um, and I was actually talking to um, a good friend of mine about this last weekend. How I can't be in a bar with twenty people. I can't, I get nervous, I get anxiety really bad, but you could put me in an arena with 2,000 people that I don't know, and I'm comfortable, and I've always had that social awkwardness, I feel more comfortable in the ring and around people in the ring than I do walking around the street, and so it was a way for me I to kind of let people, like, be me, like, let people get to know me, but, okay, I'm a wrestler, so, you know, there, unless we hung out, I didn't talk to you. I didn't bother with you. I was always a key to myself person. Well, yep, I understand. Now I'll go back to answering your question with the difference from when I started in 97 to when I got to IBW in 07. So back then, like I said, from 97 to 02, we was trying to mimic what we saw on TV. Two, two of my friends took ownership of ETW. Right, so they would write out storylines and ideas that they had for us, for all of us, and you know we all had our characters, and and we went out to the park every week, every it was every Friday night, and we we did the, our shows, and then you know by the time 
like I said, when it when we changed it to DIW to when I got to IBW, more organized. It wasn't, you know, just do what you you know. That's when more characters and gimmicks started coming along. That's when you know the planning out of matches really started coming along, making sure nobody was getting hurt. All right, you know, I can say that's O two was when that when when me and Brandon, me and my friend Brandon Dizzy. We took over ownership. We changed the name to Deep Impact Wrestling, and we actually made a, a company, a backyard wrestling company. That's when we started knowing what backyard wrestling was. We just didn't know about anybody doing it close to us. And, you know, internet back then wasn't, wasn't what it is today. And that brings up my, my next question is, well, not really question, but more of a, a comment that from 97 to 02, like you said, the internet really wasn't what it is today, definitely. Uh, but when you came to IBW, we were filming, we were putting on you, we had a weekly YouTube show. We were, it was all this digital age that you weren't used to back yeah. in 97. I, I had no, even when we did the IW, we, we filmed it on the, on these little cameras, but we had no idea what to do with the there film. There was nothing to we, do with we, the footage at that so time. So I had no, I have no footage from 97 to 07 at all. I mean, I, I, I happen to. Uh, along along my travels, uh, grabbed up some videotapes of like 2002. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I've seen a couple tapes, um, but um, yeah, it's I remember just, those. It's just so crazy how like you guys had these videotapes, but there was nothing, nothing to do yep. with them. And now here you're wrestling in 2006, 2007, and it, that's all it is, 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 is filming everything, filming promos, filming segments, uh, you know, filming the matches and hype video, hype like videos like with WWE. That was a whole different thing for me. When I met you guys, like I said, I saw that, that, that you guys were all about producing these shows. Yes, planning out the matches, making sure no one gets hurt, going all out. But the production was the, was the biggest difference, you know, that I, I saw when I came to Insane Backyard Wrestling. I was like, wow, you know, we didn't do this shit at all. I, I never even thought by the time 07 came around, I was like, yeah, I never even thought about YouTube. And, and and you guys are uploading your shows weekly to YouTube. And I'm like, damn. You know, and like I said, we stopped 04, 05. Like, DIW was short-lived when me and Brandon took it over because there was like eight to ten of us. And we couldn't get nobody else back then. So, you know, why keep refighting each other every, every year, you know? How how much can you do with eight guys? Different things that can you do with eight guys? I mean, like, like so, you know, that DIW did end up quickly until my time with you. So that, that's when we're going back to now, you know, IBW. Now, when I came along, you know, I met all you guys. All you guys took me in with open arms after after watching my first match. Because I know there was skepticism. Who Who's these guys? I don't know, you know, they, 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 all right, so the way I found out about IBW was I was at Buffalo Wild Wings watching a pay-per-view event on their TVs, right? Two guys dropped a business card on my on my table where me and my mom were sitting. I pick up the business card, and it says Insane Backyard Wrestling. I'm watching these guys walk. I'm reading the card, so I said Insane Backyard Wrestling. What the fuck is this? I followed these guys back to their table. All right, I, that's when I meet Diamond back in Sin for the first time, and there was a whole bunch of other people there, but I met Diamond back in Sin, 
told him who I was. I was interested. He gave me his um, AOL contact back then and, you know, invited me to their next show, which happened to be the week after their big show that he was just talking about, where he wrestled Bloody Saw. And I joined that week after. And, you know, first they were skeptical. I came with three of my friends that still wanted to do this. And, you know, we put they put us all against each other. So we already we already knew that was happening when we got there, that the four of us was going to wrestle each other. So we was already planning out the shit we was going to do, the whole hour and a half travel from where we lived to where the show was. You know, and we was ready for this. And, you know, after that match, and I also had my toddler son there, I put him in the ring and, you know, started beating him up. And that's when everybody just started loving me because they saw how I, I would just tombstone my son off the man-made middle rope and he'll get up and just kick me in my mouth after being tombstoned. <laughs> all right? So so that, that's what you know. And then also marijuana brought us all together. I became best friends. <laughs> I became best friends with Chris, Andrew, and Ellie because of marijuana. Right after uh, you had tombstone Ethan, I believe you had rolled out the ring after he kicked you in the fucking face. <laughs> you, yep. you rolled out the ring. And I, I remember I was just... <laughs> I was sitting over by the left side. I was just standing there on my like on my own, like just by myself. And you came up and you were like, "You smoke?" And I was like, "Yeah, all right, come on." And legit, that was the start of our friendship. From that day forward, we spoke on the phone every day. We went to see each other every week. I cut school to go see him. I cut school for him to come see me. Like. Yep, I mean, yep. marijuana was a huge factor in, in us all coming together. And I've noticed that that's been a pattern in my life. Like, it wasn't until I started smoking marijuana that I became started having friends. Because you know what? I didn't feel nervous around anybody. I didn't feel like I couldn't be me. Like, I couldn't make the jokes I wanted to make. Like, I couldn't say what I wanted to say because of what someone might think of me. When we would sit down and smoke, we talk about everything everything and anything and there was never a time where around pun or like where he made me feel stupid not isn't stupid as a joke but made me feel less than a human you know and that was always my fear in the world is that people will make you feel less than what you're worth and pun to his credit has always seen my worth as a as a, as a person and as a wrestler yeah, being as I was so much older than you when I first met you, me and you became so close so quickly, I felt like I wanted to have a hand in helping Finnis raise you. Because, you know, I wanted you to become the man that I knew you could be. And like I said, when I met you, you, you were immature, you know, you were reckless. You, you were, you, your head wasn't all there. And I felt, you know, I, I needed to be there to help you. You know, I saw so much in you from, from when we first met and I knew you was going to fucking do something in, in your life that was going to, you know, be meaningful. You know, I knew it from, from the beginning. And, you know, so now we all become friends. And, and now it was about 08, a year later, when me and Chris got approached by a wrestler named General G1. And... He was having issues with the, the promoter of Insane Backyard Wrestling, Diamondback, because Diamondback fucked his girl. So now he didn't want to wrestle. Oh, there's a pattern with that. 
Oh, there's a pattern with that diamond back. He, he tried to get my my current wife that was my girlfriend back then. He, he tried to he tried to get with her. Bro, when Dude, I was playing that, darts, I would story. travel to different bars to play darts. And every time I brought up IBW and I'd show them a video and they happened to see Manny, they'd be like, oh, you wrestled with that guy? He tried to fuck my girl. It was like every bar yeah. I went to. Everybody knew that guy everywhere. He, he, he was known for that. But anyway, so now he, he comes up to us and he knew that I came from my own backyard wrestling company before I came to IBW. So he, he came to me and asked me if I would be willing to bring it back. And I had... At that point, I had no intentions at all of ever bringing it back. I was in IBW. I was happy with what I was doing. You know, I was fine. But, you know, I talked to my, my, my best friend right there. At that, at that time, we was, you know, like I said, we was already clicked. I said, you know, if I, if I do this, would you help me run it? Because if I bring it back, I, I really don't want to do it alone. And, and that's what Chris said, you know, I'll do it. So... He hopped aboard. The I fact, still had the my fact that he was came to me, he could have came to probably anybody else. And he came to me and he gave me this opportunity, like, I want you to run things. Never did anyone in IBW come to me and say, I want you to run this for me. I want you to do this. I want you know, I want you to help out in this way. I've oh I was always kind of until the later years, I was just just a guy there. You know? That's how at least how I felt. I was just a body there, a guy they can throw into any story or they can throw into any match and I'll be happy with it. And I was. And when Pun approached me about DIW, I remember that phone call. I was sitting in my backyard and he had talked and we had talked about it. I, of course, I jumped on the opportunity because this is just a chance for me to kind of uh, get on that other side of what I've always been interested in, which is booking. Yep, so... You know, I contacted my old friends from, you know, DIW, ETW of my past. I spoke to a few of the people in IBW that I became really fr good friends with and asked them if they would do both shows. I didn't want to step on toes either. So, you know, I was very hesitant about doing this because, you know, I'm a part of IBW. I'm going to now do this. For an IBW wrestler that's going to leave IBW altogether. Well, it's he not like he, he, he wasn't allowed to wrestle for them anymore. Like, man, he's straight up said you know, Yeah, yeah, you know, they had their, they had their problems over, over a girl named Vicky. It was so far. I remember it clearly, 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 clearly how it went down. So, you know, he wasn't wrestling for them no more. He still wanted to wrestle. So that's why he asked me to do the DIW thing. So I did it. And, you know, I had some of their guys. I brought back my guys. And me and Chris started running it. I asked permission from Pyro if I could use the IBW ring. The only other place I would have done it is, you know, in the schoolyard, like I did it back for forever ago, you know. So I got blessings from Pyro to use the ring. He even wrestled for DIW. You know, we put on some great shows, but I was still in my head, you know, I was wrestling for IBW. I was just doing this for, for my friend, you know, and General Ellie, General G1. He became a very best friend of mine as well at this time. It was Chris, Andrew, who, who he went by code. code. And, and they became, you know, my brothers really quickly when I joined there. So, you know, when we was doing it, you know, me and Chris, we was running it and whatnot. And then IBW started doing their upstate training. And, and that's when, you know, 
um, me, Chris was um, in a group called Brooklyn's Finest. Well, no, this well, time, this is around the time, like, because my brother had started brother. backyard wrestling with us. And, like, late in the like, and around the same time, he started IBW. wrestling with us. My brother started all wrestling with us. my friends left IBW when we started going upstate. I was the only one left of, of my crew that I brought to IBW at this time. So we have DIW going on, and we have IBW going on, and we're going upstate. And that's when, you know, we started to really bump heads with Manny. Me, well, me and you, especially, because once our friendship... Once we got like this, we 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 were two personalities that just shouldn't have met for for for, for a lot of people's sake. I'm telling you, because w- once we met, we didn't let Manny you know run his bullshit anymore. And you know, we we actually spoke up a lot. I helped uh, you know I helped him. He helped me. You know, we, we had each other's back. That's what it was. It's like so we're gonna speak our minds. Like and no, we we were not like on screen. We were not together on screen. We were not partners yet. Nope. And this is what really started building that is um, when he had brought DIW back, the first feud that we had, the first big feud, we said it was going to be me and him. For some reason, yep. we knew it was going to be good. And and it was. And we we had started doing the, the park shows because Manny didn't like that we were using the ring. And it looks the yep. same as IBW and the so. We decided, all right, let's start doing parks, but traveling to different parks. Not just having yes. one park, but going all through Brooklyn to different parks, like a traveling circus. That was, that was how it was in my head. We stopped using IBW wrestlers altogether. Unless they we personally hit us up and said they wanted to work. You know, we did not go out of our way to contact them. We, you know, and we were still working with IBW at the time. So yep. we were wrestling twice, twice a week. <laughs> the people that weren't going upstate were ones that stood with us, like White Boy, because White Boy was 16 years old. He was really young at that time, and he couldn't go upstate on a weekly basis with them. So he left IBW. He joined DIW. You know, we, we started growing our own roster. You brought in, in Sean, your best friend from your teenage years. You brought him in. I still had Latin lover from my, my, my past. We had guys that would sit there and wait for us how they found out what parks we were at they would actually we would announce it on facebook and myspace but they'd sit there and wait for us on the park benches asking hey can you train us can we wrestle with you m16 nestor a good friend of mine one of the one of the kindest souls i've ever met in and out of this business okay um I remember this 16-year-old kid just sitting there watching us, and he comes up and goes... I think he was younger than that at that time. I think he was 14. Duh. No, no, that's why his name really was M16. Young. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 right. So we, you know, he was younger than all of us. He was a young one there, and he just comes up in this soft voice, and I, I will always say everything he says in his voice. Yo, can I wrestle with you guys? Can you guys, like, train me? And I was yes. like, hell yeah. That is hell yeah, let's go. percent spot on. That is 100% and spot on. we turned him into something. He wound up being good. Like, so now we started kind of homegrown talent. Like, with the, with the little training that we picked up from, you know, the guys that we, that were training. And then they taught me. And I would bring that to Pun. Pun would bring it to the next person. And he would bring it to this. 
It would you just remember, we brought down. in Raiden. We brought in Raiden. We brought in Raiden because he and was a guy he that had, had some gimmick. little indie experience. We, yep. We started getting hit up all over because of social media about coming to DIW. So it became bigger than we even Dog wanted it to be. Honestly, like and it was just supposed to be something for G one to for, do for G exactly, and then it just grew into this big thing out of nowhere. It was like we didn't even try. So then we started, you know, building our own roster. And with the problems that we were having with Manny Diamondback, you know, after a while, we stopped wrestling for UWA, even though we did. Well, we did some we're kind of time, we're kind of time lapsing here. Time because, lapsing? Yeah, because we left UWA as Brooklyn's finest. Yeah. We did. Yeah. And now the whole thing that kind of, and we kind of talked about this on your episode, pun, where uh, with the transition from, okay, now they want to start going pro so they started going to new jersey union city new jersey we'd go out there to train um upstate new york we'd go out there ftw in long island we'd yep. go out there but it started getting to the point where it's like okay if we're gonna start training and we're gonna start taking this seriously we can't be doing this diw anymore and i know and we had touched on this that uh we had actually cut a promo and put it out that we were not going to be doing DIW and we were closing DIW because we were going to go pursue something bigger that we feel is right for us. And there were a lot of people mad at pun. Me, I didn't yeah. give a fuck because I knew in my head, this is what I want. So I don't care if, if Joe Schmo is fucking mad because I don't book him on a, in a park every week anymore. I don't care about that. Now I have to think about myself. I know pun, that was... A, that was a hard decision for pun to make, and we had we had touched on that. But when we decided to do that, we started traveling with UWA because IBW had changed the yeah, Underground the Wrestling Alliance so that we could come off more professional. And we were running little yep. pro shows with fans and everything. Uh, but as that was happening, um, me and my we brother became became tag team champions. Unfortunately, at the show that me and my brother became tag team champions at, my brother had uh, really, he had fucked his leg up bad where he needed surgery. So we won the belts, and now he's done. It's the, it's the, it's the like, such yeah. a common story in wrestling. Like, you win the belt, and then you find out you got an injury. And there was no one else I thought of that was going to be my partner, but pun. That was the first I said, yep. okay, my brother, if my actual blood brother is not going to be my partner, then this brother and that was right partner. after my storyline with diamond ink ended after i lost the title back to wink the hardcore title back to winky after beating him one week ago two weeks ago i lost it right back to my my storyline ended with them and then me and you joined up and then as we joined up we were kind of on a roll we were getting the you know we defending our belts back and forth with vicious and delicious and we had a little brief feud then we started noticing the decline of us kind of being pushed down in favor of Diamondback's friends and the people that were hanging out at his house every week. We didn't want to do that. We started to not really like Diamondback. So what like, it was is we were, we were, we were told we were winning the belts back. And then at the event, he said, this is the issues with keeping Hun had gotten me a job at, um, at Vector Marketing selling Cutco. And the yeah, day of the event, we were supposed to win the belts. I couldn't make it. And Pun knew, and we had both told Manny, listen, I, I have a job interview, bro. Like, And pretty much he used that as a way to kind of put Pun down Barry. the card and kind of fucked it, fucked it up for us. And 
after that it was done like he didn't want to use us at all and i'm like really because i had oh you should be committed to this i'm sorry you're not paying me dude like you're not paying i'm using my money puns using his money money to come travel and wrestle for you and you're gonna sit here i have to be committed to you over a fucking job sorry no you know um so we we split from the uwa and brought back the iw to DIW to new heights. This time we we this time we were determined. We were gonna do it on our own. We were gonna go pro and we were gonna do it together. What's up, Alex? Ask us what you need to ask. Let's go, bear man. Yo, <laughs> well, honestly, I'll be honest. Listening to you guys like that, I've been silent because I've been listening and learning very closely because this is how much I want to learn about. Starting at the very bottom in the pits of the wrestling business. And it seems to me, gentlemen, that when you both broke into backyard wrestling, at first, you, yeah, you, like you said, what did I get myself into? But then as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, you learn that, that it's a society. You meet with more people than there's other backyard wrestling promotions. And then, you know, you go from them and they start, they start these feuds. So it seems to me, gentlemen, that you guys, once you guys stepped into backyard wrestling... That was the door. And then you start walking up these stairs to try to make it to get better and better. I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's climbing up the stairs to go knock on the door, but nobody answers. So you got to go back down the stairs. But you come back the next week to go back up the stairs. Nobody answers. So you got to climb back down. It's constant going up and that door never opening. Climbing down, that door never opening. You have to, and then at some point, you know, you have to break through the door. Um, But it's funny that you bring up other rest, other backyard wrestling companies and promotions and, you know, feuding and stuff because that's exactly what happened next is we found a backyard company that was wrestling in a project hallway in Manhattan, in Harlem it was, right? Was it Harlem or? No, it was Lower East Side. Lower East Side, it right, okay. It was right over the Williamsburg Bridge. There were times where we walked from my We house found these guys that some of them were talented. And we wanted them, but we know they would never come to us because of their loyalty to their company. Their company. So we figured, okay, we'd go over there and wrestle in this project hallway. I shit you not, it was in the middle of a project hallway. People waiting for the elevators and everything. And, I mean, it was the worst. It was was worse than wrestling in a park. All right, I'll tell you. So before we went there, me and Chris came up with a pack. We are going there to end this company. All right? We're going to take them out of the hallway, and we're going to eventually make sure RZW does not exist anymore. I don't even remember what it would stand for, to be honest. But that, that was the plan. Now, we went there with a, a couple of our DIW guys. We didn't bring all of them. We brought a few of them. But we did not tell them the ultimate plan. Of the only people that to. knew the plan was me and Pun. That's it. That's it. Only people that so you know, we was going there every week. We was becoming, you know, chummy chummy, best of friends. We found a couple of talented guys that we said we want to keep them around. Eventually, you know, after a few months of being there, we got them to agree of taking the company, merging the two companies, and going to the park. So we we, we did RZW DIW. It was one company, you know, not not creative new name, RZW slash DIW. We, we knew, me and Chris still at this point are the only ones that know where this is going because, you know, it took us a while to get them to go to the park. You know, that, that, that was 
the first part of the plan is get them out of this fucking hallway. Because as long as they're wrestling in this hallway, there's no ending RZW. We got to get them out this hallway. So we got them into the park. We combined the two feds. Now the fed is even bigger than we expected. And, you know, that's when, you know, Nature Storm and Rocky Rude, I guess, started to notice what the ultimate plan was. And those were the two guys that we, you know, actually said had some talent from, from, from that company. And we wanted to keep them around. But those were the two that eventually noticed that, you know, we didn't want the company to last. We wanted just to, you know, weed out the week, get rid and of that. And that's exactly what we did. We weeded and out we the week. And we were trying to grow our roster. And, and we were just trying a, to grow our roster. It took a little bit for people to come around when... We when we said that we were merging companies, some of their guys left and didn't want to do it. So you said, okay, we themselves out. Then it came down to where there's only like four of them left, and they're the four that we want. Um, and Nathan Storm and Rocky Rude didn't take it take it too well, but they stuck. They did stick with us, and they were DIW. It was officially just DIW. Now we killed off um, RZW, and they stuck. They didn't last too much longer. But they stuck right, around, right. so it's kind of like Nathan our plan. Storm did. Nathan Storm did until the, the personal problems started. Because I remember Rocky Rude left first, and he went to Two KW, and Poppy Shampoo wanted to come back, and they came to the park when we was wrestling the Seaside Bay, and we let them come back. We let them the big dude. We let the dude with the cross eyes come back. I forgot Machine, Machine. All right, and we we let some of them come back. When Rocky Rude left, Nathan Storm and, and that, that girl that Heavy D ended up dating stood around also. All right. And, and then um, when we found out about his his problems and you had that match with him where, where you both bled. All right. So the beginning of, of all RZW wrestlers leaving was when a secret came was keeping that he was HIV positive. Chris and Chris and Nathan Storm had a backyard wrestling match where they both were cut open in the match. I knew, I knew going into the match because it was a hardcore match. I knew going into the match because yeah. he felt he had to tell me. We had just so he out. told me personally, and I said, as long as we don't get cut open together, I think we we'll be good because I can do a hardcore match and not bleed. Mm-hmm. We've, done, done, we've done it all the time where we didn't bleed. Um. And so I trusted him and he didn't do anything to me. Nope. I didn't do anything. It, was a table it just spot, happened. We right? had a table spot that we set up a table spot where we, we were going to both go through the table. I think it was a spear and we both happened to get cut open by the, by the wood on the table. And I, so that that's was when a nerve wracking like, time. And, it you know, yo, it was a nerve wracking week for me. That was a nerve wracking to time. be, I think I was like, what, 17, 18 years old. And, like, I have to go take an HIV test now. Not because I fucking had sex, but because I wrestled someone with HIV. And, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm good. But, you know, it was definitely uh, when that got out that he had. Because after the match with me, we didn't pressure him into doing it. But we kind of told him, yo, you have to. Tell Let guys know now because yep. Rex was cool with it, but other people will not don't want to find out after the fact. Yep, you know, God forbid something happens, you know. So he had to tell, and a lot of people were not 
cool with it. And that's when he left and he started his own company and Heavy D had bad judgment at that time and went over there with him. You know, and that's when things split, you know. But, you know, we didn't care. We went, we moved on afterwards after after Reckless came back negative and, you know, the, the nerves and the, the jitters all went away. We moved on to grow DIWR on our own like we originally planned, you know. The vision was still there. DIW is going to grow. We're going to find our way back into the business our way. And now, you know, at this time where we're growing DIW, we still don't know of any schools local. The only school we really knew of was ACE in New Jersey and and, and LIWF in Long, in Long there Island. There was also Johnny Rods, but Johnny Rods was like a few thousand dollars. So <laughs> was... Yeah, it was. I think it was overpriced. I think it was overpriced even though he was a, a jobber legend. He wasn't even, you know, a legend. He was known as an enhancement talent his whole career. But it was too much, and it was in a boxing ring, so you... You're dying. Boxing rings are no joke. They are not the same as professional wrestling rings. They are nothing but wood. There's no gift to them, no spring, no nothing. So to train on a boxing ring, well, we've wrestled on boxing rings, but to train, hell no, we wasn't doing that. Yeah. We so, wasn't like, doing there that. There were no so, schools around. So that's just what we did. And um, we grew I mean, the IW. We had guys that, that were coming in and again, just finding us, coming and finding us, sitting there until they seen either me or Ponding coming up there. Hey, I want to join DIW. Hey, I want to join DIW. It was like, we were kind of, it's the best way I could describe it is we were hood stars. Like, we walked around Williamsburg on a Wednesday afternoon and kids were coming out asking if we were going to wrestle. Like, like they, we were like stars in the hood. Like it, wherever yeah. we wrestled, the kids knew us. Whether we were from that area or not, they knew oh, us. Oh, it's reckless. It's Punisher. It's cold. Oh, my God. It's these guys. Sometimes if know. like I was a champion or Pun was a champion, we'd walk around with the belt on because the kids loved it. And, you know, every backyard company that tried to be legitimate bought their your replica title. So, at least we'll, we'll walk around with replica belts. We're not walking around with handmade belts like back in 1997. Our, all our belts were made out of cardboard and, and you know, belts that you wear around your waist or maybe even some weight belts we found and cardboard. And we designed all our championships with, like, all different colored markers. And then we were wrapped the, car, the cardboard in masking tape. So when it's raining and snowing outside, the, the belts don't get ruined. And those were our belts back from 97 to 02. Handmade cardboard wrapped belts, but you know. So back now, this time we, you know, we have our replica belts that we're buying to to use for our company. Yeah, we 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 did change them up differently. We didn't want WWE logos showing and things like that. So we did design them to be our. We had belts. stickers. We spray painted belts. I mean, we we tried to customize yeah, yeah. before WWE switched back at the time to the white belt. Our intercontinental title belt was white. Yeah. Because we thought, we said, they're never going to do this again. I loved, we both loved the look of the white intercontinental belt. All right, let's spray paint it white. And we had the old school 90s intercontinental belt. We even designed the plates. We even changed it a little bit on the plate. It was our five borough championships. So here in New York City, there's five boroughs. You know, there's Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, the Bronx, and Staten Island. Even though the, the title only had four of the small plates, we put BK for Brooklyn, BX, QN, and MN 
for four of the five boroughs on the small plates. We made it the DIW five borough title on the big plate and we, we designed the whole title. And, you know, so the titles look legitimate, but, you know, we, we sat there, me and Chris, with screwdrivers, taking, it, taking apart these belts, you know, very gently taking these screws out, taking each plate out very gently so we don't fuck up any of the plates. We, got, we went into the staircase of my apartment building, laid the strap on the floor, sprayed that shit with, with Kansas spray paint until it was as white as white can be. We, we let that dry for like two days, and then we put the, the plates back on. Well, we designed the plates while they were off the belt. So when the plates dried and was, was finished, then we put everything back together. And, you know, we, we, that's how we made our belts back in our day. You know, when, when we were take, taking DIW to the new heights. And then we had 20, 25 wrestlers every week traveling from all over New York City. We had people from the Bronx traveling an hour and a half to Williamsburg, Brooklyn. All right. We had people in South Brooklyn and Seafed Bay traveling an hour, an hour and 15 minutes to Williamsburg, See, Brooklyn. And the thing that, that me and Pun wanted to keep was kind of the realism. We're not going to have an intercontinental champion. We don't wrestle anywhere outside of New York. Why would it be intercontinental? No, it should be five borough. <laughs> All right. Um, the DIW championship, you know, is like we weren't a That's world perfect. champions. Yeah. Well, like, and we were DIW champions. And, and half of us weren't heavyweights. So it was the DIW championship. You know, you know, to, to call it the, the, the heavyweight or world championship, you know, we, we made sure we cut those words out. It was the Deep Impact Wrestling Championship. It was the Five Borough Championship. And, and then we had Tag Team Championship, uh, of course. There's no changing that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I admire the creativity and the hard work that you put in designing the belt and what they well, meant. Well, that goes back to it takes a lot of what I was saying about meeting, how does it look. Backyard wrestling. The only belt we didn't change up was this one. This no, right we just here, put a DIW sticker on it, right? Yeah, this right here was the DIW World Heavyweight Championship. If you look, it's all dented and beat up. This belt was put through the ringer for years in the park. For years. And all we did was put DIW on the top. You know, we made the sticker blend in with the belt, and wow. that's it. This was our DIW Heavyweight Championship. If I get at a nice angle, you can see where the head prints are. Yeah, right there. I there's, see still, it. there's still head prints in the in, in that the belt. belt was brand new. Was bought specifically. New. <laughs> yep. It was bought specifically for the use. Well, all the all all the yeah, customization that, and all that, that goes it's seated stays in the ring. It's, to, it's beat up. Like I said, how is it going to look? How is our product yeah. going? Even though we're backyard wrestling, how can we make our product stand out? Look legitimate and stand out. And that's the thing. So doing things like that, and as promoter, everybody knew Punisher and Reckless were the promoters. And we booked the fairest of, we wrote the storylines out. I mean, seriously, what you see on WWE, we was doing in DIW then. We were writing out everybody's storyline, giving everybody's story meaning from the low card to the main event. All right? We did a pre-show where my five-year-old son wrestle one of the guys before the show just to, you know that's the warm-up one of the guys somebody would volunteer every week somebody different would volunteer to wrestle my son as the warm-up my son would have fun and then he'd sit on the side 
we'll start filming the whole show. All right. Yeah, because it got to the point where Ethan would run in on matches because he wanted to wrestle. Yeah. So we started booking him on so, the pre-show. So we started <laughs> telling him, all right, you're a part of the show. And, and then he was so happy he had his own match and that he didn't interfere in any, any other matches unless it was storyline storyline plan for Evil Diesel to make a return. Once he got older, we used him more. When he was really younger, we just had him in the pre-show. But as he got older and understood it, Evil Diesel was actually a part of the show. But, you know, it, it was the little things like that that we did. So, you know, we, we took people from anywhere. We helped train them if they had no training. You know, we wanted them to at least bump right and make sure that nobody's getting hurt. As long as we could train you to do that. It was, it was the land that, of the misfit toys. As long, yep. As long as we was able to train you to bump and make sure nobody gets hurt, we think we did a good job. And then we wrote everybody's storyline. And that's what made it that everybody wanted to wrestle for us. Because everybody saw when, you know, YouTube was the thing then. All the videos were going on YouTube. So people were able to watch the shows in order and see how these shows were booked. You know, and, and that's what made DIW grow. That's when we started wrestling. That's when the five borough title really became the five borough title. We was wrestling in different parks everywhere. We was taking it wherever we can. We're growing this company as, as much as we could for it as, to be a backyard wrestling company. I mean, I remember... I went to a, a Steve Wilkos taping, as uh, you know, to sit in the audience. And I went with a bunch of wrestlers, you know, and we were just talking about wrestling. And some kid comes up to me, and he happens to live in Brooklyn. You know, and I just met somebody at the taping for a Steve Wilkos talk show. He brings four of his In friends. Connecticut. <laughs> I was in Connecticut at a taping, meet some kid, who has friends that want to wrestle. It was just him and three guys. And so it was four all together that want to wrestle, but just have no, no, nowhere, nobody to do it. And when he heard us talking about it, he inquired the next week he was at our show and they never left. If you watch AEW right now, Mark Quinn was one of those four guys. All right. So, and we took him from knowing nothing. We helped train him at the beginning. He already was like a, a flip. He was already, you know, able to flip and, and do all 